Good morning, good morning, good morning. We are starting a giving series. It'll be a two-part series um, <clears throat> this next couple of weeks. And then following after that will be a series on prayer called Airplane Mode. And so look forward to that here in the future. Um, it's always interesting to do a giving series in October because that's Pastor Appreciation uh, Month. And I know that's awkward. And I apologize. It's just the way it works because we're talking about the harvest of uh, God and it's a harvest season and all these kinds of things kind of work together and they really, uh, it always makes me feel really weird. Uh, most pastors do not enjoy speaking about money. I don't mind it because of this one simple fact. I just mind the whole pastor appreciation happening at the same time. This is weird. This makes me weird. Um, I don't mind it because of this. The Bible speaks more about money than it does about prayer. There's more verses about money than there is about prayer in the scripture. So pastors being scared about talking about money, like you're you're ignoring a lot of the scripture. So yeah, it gets a little awkward because I am paid by the church, full disclosure, right? (laughs) If you didn't know that, I am paid by the church. I'm only paid by this church. There's not an outside entity that pays, um, there's no no daddy organization, uh, sugar mama anywhere else that gives the church money uh, that, that, that pays for me. I am fully funded by you guys. You guys and the elders actually set my uh, salary, and then at the business meeting, you guys vote on it. So it's not like, oh, giving went up, Jared's getting a raise this week. Uh, that's not how any of that works. It's totally, uh, I set the other associates' uh, salaries, but I do not set my own salary. Okay, so... Just full disclosure, how that all works. If you ever wondered, now you know. Um, Because it's one of those, I want you guys to feel, it's one of those things with money is, oh, well, how's that come up? Maybe you've had bad experiences with churches in the past, or you've seen scandals on uh, on TV or or whatnot. Um, That's just how it goes. So um, if you have any questions about that, I'd be more than willing to uh, answer them. But I want to talk about giving for the next couple of weeks and through the lens of going beyond the numbers. How does that look? How do we go beyond the numbers? Let's go beyond the numbers to see God's work in our lives. Um, this comes from kind of the thematic verse of this is found in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 9. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and in, wait a minute, sorry. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith, pierced themselves with many griefs. This is a statement that transcends time, does it not? When people are trying to get rich. If you watch any crime drama on TV, 90% of the time it's they were trying to get money and they killed somebody. I don't know how those two pop together so easily, but they do. But it's it's true for our lives. We, We start centering on making more money getting more, acquiring more, and all of a sudden we've, we've fallen into this temptation and we found ourselves in traps that we don't really know how to get out of. And so that's kind of the, the center for what we're, we're, we're looking at. Let's go beyond the numbers to see God's work in our lives. Let's go beyond the numbers. If you know me at all, you know that numbers are not my friend. 
my mother drilled and drilled and drilled and drilled into me math and numbers. I have the same kitchen table that I grew up and learned math on. And you can, I sanded the tar out of that thing last year when I refinished it. You can still see little numbers that I just like scraped into the wood during math time because I just, it just, numbers did not work. They get jumbled up and it's just, it's weird. Um, My mom got a perfect score on the SAT in math. I got my name right. Right? So that's, that's how that worked. Uh, I don't know what happened, but the, something happened uh, going on. I remember the stress and just the fear and the, the anxiety over the first test I ever failed in school. It was in third grade. It was the, the multiples facts, right? When you got to get that whole, that, that quadrant thing, and you got to do all of them really fast in like 30 seconds. Oh, Lord. Failed, 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 failed. I get letters home. My mom's like, you can do this. You know, yeah, Miss Perfect Math Person. <laughs> Finally, she, we just like memorized it. She's like, I don't want you to do the math. You're just going to memorize the numbers. So I memorized whatever, how big that was. Three, six, nine. I didn't know why they were. I just did them really fast and like regurgitated it because that's what our public school system wants you to do. Oh, sorry. <laughs> that's, that's something else. My bad. Um, if you hadn't noticed, my personality and the way I learned does not work well with uh, or, uh, the, way it, the way it happened. Um, but anyway, and so my son, if any of you have my kid in your class, my daughter you will love. My son, will, you'll pull your hair out. And that's from me. Um, anyway, um, going back to math. And so finally, when I get to high school, we deal with a subject called geometry. And geometry, I didn't understand the proofs. Why do I have to write things for math? It doesn't make any sense. But then I got to do something. I got to make pictures, right? And the math problems became something. And that's when I was like, oh, I can do this. I can draw. We can, we can be artsy. This is fun. Now I can see how I'd use this. I can, I can make something of these numbers. I went beyond the numbers to see how something could be created, And this dramatically changed the way in which I started to view numbers. Even to this day, I don't do the bills because our checking account would go bring, 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 bring. If I had it, even if we had money in it, I'd find out some way to screw it up. But if there's a decision to be made on what are we going to invest in? How are we going to do this? How are we going to be, what goals are we going to have? If we're going to go beyond the numbers, I'm, I'm, I'm totally in charge of that. Because that's, that's where my brain goes. That's how it, it works. And so just to let you know, I am not in charge of paying the bills of the church. You don't have to worry about the church checking account bouncing or anything like that. We have delegated that well, all right? Uh, so we have, we have excelled. We let computers do the math problems and, and all those things because we want to be above board in all those things. But when there's decisions to be made on that, I love going beyond the numbers and seeing what's really at play here. In my own life, even in real math and in all these things. Let's go beyond the numbers to see God's work in our lives. There's numbers that everyone should know in their life when dealing with money. You should be able to know these numbers pretty, pretty quickly. If you don't, then your homework for this week, if you will, would be to start to identify these kinds of numbers. The first is earning. What do you actually bring in? And it's probably less than you think, right? We, uh, we make money, but then we forget that the whole uh, tax thing happens. But we spend money on what we think we should have been earning, 
This is really bad when uh, I moved from being an associate pastor. Associate pastor is an employee of the church. Senior pastor is self-employed for some reason in the, in the tax code. And so that whole uh, that, that mean social security thing, you've got to pay both halves. If you're self-employed, you know exactly what you're doing. That was a, that was a very bad first April right? <laughs> of being a senior pastor. You're like, oh, I hadn't fit. Oh, my checking account and my savings account, they didn't, didn't work that, that well. And it was a bad thing because I didn't properly assign how the earnings go. And we do this as well. You do this as well. But we got to figure out what we actually earn and be honest with it. If we're on commission or we, we, do, we do things that make extra money and we just throw, oh, I'm going to make this much money, I'm going to do this, this well, is that really an honest interpretation of what you're going to actually earn? We got to get that number. We have to actually know that number. Spending. We have to know what we actually are spending. On average, the average American spends 133% of what they make. Which makes sense if you don't identify the taxes, that probably would work out pretty good. If you said, oh, I make $40,000 a year and I'm going to spend $40,000 a year. Well, what happened was you didn't account for your medical expense, your insurance, and taxes. There's your 33% right there. Easy. Some of you are going, oh, only 33? Okay, that'd be great. But we got to know what we actually spend. Dave Ramsey has these great tools. They're free on his website. Uh, you go under resources and you can click budget. You can also, we do a life group, usually in the winter time, going through Dave Ramsey material that helps you with all these uh, different things. But you can get this for free without even going through the class. And you look up budget. And every, 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 every dollar has a name. Every dollar goes into a certain spot. So at the end of the month, you know where all of your money's going. And he'll give you this front and back sheet for free PDF. You print it off. You can do it yourself. And it's a fun family activity. Um, and so you start to figure out, for some of you, that's fun. For some of you, it's an argument waiting to happen. Um, but then you know how much the electricity bill is going to be. And we spend how much on this? We do this? What? How much money did you spend at Starbucks last month? Oh, I didn't know I spent that much at Starbucks last month, right? We have to know where our spending is actually going. Saving is our third thing we should know. How much are we saving? Some of you are like, that's real easy. It's zero. But how much are we actually saving? How much is, is going away for a rainy day? Once again, Dave Ramsey does this thing where he says you should have uh, $1,000, $2,000 in a savings account. So when the water heater breaks, when the brakes go out on your car, it doesn't throw your whole budget out of whack. You can just pay out of that and you're good uh, to go. Kelly and I have this thing where when something breaks, we don't want to touch our savings account. So we're trying to re... But wait, that's why the money is actually in there. And we, because we don't want to, we don't want to hurt the, 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 the nest egg. Um, if you have that uh, affliction, maybe your nest egg should be a little bit bigger if you can get there. Um, that's what we, that was the reaction that we had. We needed, we didn't have enough peace of mind at a thousand dollars. We needed to have more in there. Um, and it looks like a yo-yo because life happens, right? When you have kids, right? things break, people break. Uh, <clears throat> The next uh, step number that we need to know is what are we investing? What are we putting towards the future? What does that look like? If you're young, put in early. If you're younger than me and you can put in $50 a, a month, you'll be like a millionaire by age 60. That looks silly, right? 
If you're younger than me, you can start to do that. If you, do it for, if you put in, I think, $1,000 a year for seven years in your 20s, you will be a millionaire by the time you're ready to retire. And all you did was pay for those seven years. Compounding interest is cool. I wish I would have done that. That would have been great. But that's how you're supposed to do it. Uh, I hear. Uh, how the, are we investing? And then finally, are we giving? What does giving look like? Now, the world's interpretation of what giving and what um, God's interpretation of giving is, is totally different. A financial planner, a secular financial planner will say, give as much as you get a tax break for. And God's like, no, 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 just give. Be generous. Be generous. Be generous. But what are we giving? What does that line item look like in our budget? What are we actually giving? <clears throat> a national average giving for a person who does not go to church, just a, a normal American, non-Christian, is 3% of their income goes to giving. For a Christian, it is 3.5%. I found this very interesting doing research this week because in two areas in which Christians should be leading the way and showing people how to live extravagantly, we fail, we look just like non-Christians. The first is marriage. Our divorce rate in marriage is exactly the same as the world's. We should be over and above our divorce rate should be so much lower than the world's rate. That marriage is for one man and one woman for one lifetime. That it actually is that. We should be setting the standard in that. The second is giving. We should be blowing the socks off of people on how we give in our generous life. Why in which Paul plants churches and how they are so uh, effective in all these different cities. That we've been talking about these different city churches for the last few months. Why it's so effective is because the Jews in that area live such a generous lifestyle towards the widows and towards the orphans and towards the people in need that it's very easy for people to want to become a Jew. You mean I can can talk to them and be about what they're about and that same God, but I don't have to go through their crazy food laws or the circumcision stuff? Yeah, I'm, I'm listening now. I mean, that's, that's really how these, these, these churches started to go and started to build up because of the generosity of these people. As Christians, as a, as, a, as a body of believers, we should be blowing the socks off of people with our generosity. Instead, we look just like the world. I want to go beyond the numbers to see what God can do with it. I want to go, let's go beyond the numbers to see God's work in our lives. As we address earning, it's an issue of calling versus compensation. It's an issue of calling versus compensation. When I was in between churches, I worked three part-time jobs, all of which I hated. Hated with a passion. But I had to do them, right? You just, you got to. The mortgage payment comes whether or not you're doing something you like or not. We've all probably experienced this. And so I'm, I'm, I'm working these jobs and I'm doing these things and I'm just, it's just killing me. But then I had one hour a week in which I got to be the senior high boys uh, life group leader. I got more out of that one hour a week than I did working the 50 hours I was working at these three dumb part-time jobs. My love tank was full. I felt useful. I felt important. It mattered what I did. 
And that one hour a week lasted me the whole rest of the week because it was about calling, not compensation. Figuring out where we are most used, where we're, how God has perfectly designed us. We can't all work in jobs that fit perfectly with our spiritual gifts. It's just not going to happen. But we can exercise those spiritual gifts. We can exercise how God has, has made us and, and, and cre- uniquely created us in different ways and in the life of the church. This is what grow is all about. Maybe you are frustrated as you possibly can be in your job. Maybe you have, you're, you're just like, I need something to, that gives me meaning. Grow is about directing you towards those areas. That's what it's all about. That's why we do it every month, every week. Because I believe it can help you. I've been there where I was not in the place that I needed to be. I, I wasn't getting anything out of, out of life. And that one hour a week with those crazy boys. Daniel was one of them. The guy with the beard that comes and plays guitar. He was one of those kids. Look at that now. That was eight years ago. Now he's trying to get on staff at churches. This is, that was my hour a week. Maybe you get to have similar stories of kids that you get invested in in the back things that you get to do. It's about calling versus compensation. Acts 20, 24. However, I considered my life worth nothing to me. If only I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. Second thing, contentment versus consumerism. Contentment versus consumerism. The Living Bible in Luke 12, 15 says this. I love this. Don't always be wishing for what you don't have, for real life and real living are not related to how rich we are. Mm, right there. That's, a, that's worth going and buying a living Bible right there. Don't always be wishing for what you don't have, for real life and real living are not related to how rich we are. We get into the trap of consumerism. We live in America. We were trying to explain to my, my kids last night why people would want to live in the United States of America instead of a different country. Because this whole city, state, county, country thing is really blowing their brains right now. And they, they're always like, what? Because they're learning this. We're, we're trying to uh, teach them Spanish. Well, actually, I'm not. I have no part in this. Uh, Kelly is trying to teach them Spanish. I, I, they made me read a, a Spanish and English book. It said the Spanish stuff and then the English book. And Kelly was cooking dinner. So she's like, why don't you read it? And I read it. And she just was laughing the whole time. Like tears were coming out of her eyes. She was laughing at me. I was like, what did I get? She's like, I'll give you a C for a first grader. <laughs> I was like, oh, I got cabeza, right? So there you go. Um, it's head. Anything. Um, but we're trying to teach our kids why people would want to live in America. And it's a very interesting uh, proposition to start to break down for a six-year-old, right? And so we're trying to break it down, break it down, break it down. And I'm thinking about it. And I'm like, wow, I have all these answers. But we hear because there's so much of everything that we get caught up into this materialism so easily. And we have to try to teach contentment to kids who are inundated by all angles all the time, you want this, 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 you want this. It's shiny, it's shiny, it's shiny, right? Let me, a parenting tip for you. This is something that's working great for me. It might work for you, it might not work for you, uh, but it's working really good for us. We only watch, well, I've only done this for like the six, last six months. I only watch DVR'd things because I'm impatient and I don't like commercials. 
But I only watch DVR things unless it's a fo- football because that's just, it spoils the fun. But only DVR, so I never have to watch commercial. It's amazing when you take the world of marketing out of your life, right? Well, when you don't have hundreds of people telling you, you want this, you want this, you want this, it's the best. Sunday, 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 get it, get it, get it out. When you take that out of your life, you're amazing how much more content you are with the things that you have, with your children. I only, they only watch DVR things. You're like, well, well, Jared, how could I push play and then walk out of the room? I only usually watch the TV with them too. You're like, I can't, I can't, I can't do Caillou. We only watch a few things, and it's only mommy or daddy likes. We watch uh, uh, Henry Hugglemonster, because he's awesome. Uh, so parents know exactly what I'm talking about. We're like, yeah, Henry. Uh, just uh, uh, the, the puppy one. I can't even remember it, but the Paw Patrol. There we go. See, that was a test, actually. Paw Patrol will get you. Uh, you can enjoy that one a little bit. You're like laughing at the jokes. You're like, oh, this is for four-year-olds. Oops. And we watch a lot of superheroes. We watch the Avengers. We watch the Spider-Man. We, we watch the Guardians of the Galaxy. We watch uh, all these things. And that's dad time. Uh, I even have, if you're older, uh, you might remember Voltron and Thundercats. Ho! Oh, we watch those. That's, that that's, that might have been daddy's Christmas present. Uh, but, oh, well. That's our pastor right there. Um, but we watch those. But I have my finger on the DVR because... Those kids, there's a commercial every three seconds about how they need this and how they want that. And I have to go like four to eight X past them because Bowen will still pick it out. He's like, oh, that's a Hot Wheels track. It's like, stop, lead, kid. Stop it. But then because we've trained them just in our society and when we put them in front of the TV and they, and, and they take it in, they take it in, they take it in, all they think is, oh, well, I need this, and I need that, and I need this, and that Christmas shopping list gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger, and Christmas is coming. How do we help our kids? How do we, how do we set them apart so they're not inundated with this consumerism and how to deal with it? I think that's going to be a huge challenge for us as we meet a new generation that always has an electronic device, always has a marketer in front of them all the time. Anyway, that's how we do it. We just we keep our hand on the DVR. We'll tell you in 10 years if it worked okay. Um, it seems to be working okay now. <clears throat> we need to be God-dependent versus independent. Now, this is counter to the American dream. This is counter to everything. God-dependent versus independent. And watch this. Proverbs 30, 8 and 9. Give me neither poverty nor riches. This is, this is Solomon, the wisest man in the world, saying, this is what I want. Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Otherwise, I may have too much and disown you and say, who is the Lord? Or I may become poor and steal and so dishonor the name of my God. Give me only what I need, because then if I have too much, I'll just say, I got this. Or if I have too little, I might steal. I thought, this is so profound. And this is where, when Jesus is talking about give us this day our daily bread, this is where he's pulling it from. Proverbs 18.11 says, The wealth of the rich is their fortified city. They imagine it a wall too high to scale. But we know that banks can fail. We know that things can happen. Jobs can be lost. 
stuff is stuff and it can go away. If we are God dependent, then we rely on Him for everything and the use of everything. If we're trying to be independent, institutions can fail us. Things can happen. I always think of uh, Georgia has had an amazing running back the last two years. Uh, But this last year, a guy named Chubb was their running back, and he was basically a Heisman shoe-in. And he's going to go first round, first couple people in the, in the draft. And he's going to, all these things. And he's going to make millions and millions of dollars. And there's a play this year. And he's running. And all of a sudden, his knee is bending the wrong way. And I just, it breaks my heart to think about that. Because he's, you know, I don't know what classes he's taken. I bet it's not nuclear physics. Right? I just, I, I what his his whole mindset was i'm going to go to the nfl get my payday and i'm going to make it and that's just taken away in a second that's a, a macrocosm of the whole thing but to us it's the same way oh i'm always going to be able to work what if you can't work i'm always going to be able to do this what if i can't if our whole dependency is on ourselves and what we bring to it it will fail us no matter how much we make but when we become god dependent He will never fail us. Stewardship versus ownership. And this is about investing, I think. Do not store up yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. Now, I don't think there's a heavenly bank account that um, will be credited to your account every time you give to the church or anything like that. I don't, I don't think that's the way it works. I think the way in which it works is the treasures in heaven are the lives and the people that your gifts, your time, your talent, and your resources that have been freely given to God, those investments will come back. I don't know if God's going to just let us see all the people in heaven that we got to touch, like if they're going to have a special like light on their shoulder. I don't know how that's going to work. I just, I just hope there's treasures in heaven. It's the, the souls that get to, pe- get to be in heaven because we were obedient with our time and our talent and our treasure. I just think that will be an amazing day when we get to see. We talk about it all the time in the church that every dollar has a name on it. That every fund that we give has a kid that's going to be impacted for, for Christ. That somebody in the community will be impacted. And that's really where this is about that we invest into eternity. When you are a steward, you are a manager of the funds. And this is a moment shift. And this is something, as you have kids, we had a, um, a child just the other day was in the bathroom, and they were in there washing something. And the person was like, what are you doing? I'm washing my quarter. Why are you washing a quarter? Because I'm going to give it to Jesus. <laughs> like, yeah, it's an appropriate awe moment right there. <laughs> but, but the idea of this little girl, her first thought was, I got to clean my money because I'm going to give it away. I'm going to give it away. How is that? That's, what do we think about this, right? We, we don't think, we're like, oh, this is mine, this is mine, this is mine. I have twins. One of them likes to give. One of them is a hoarder. Right, so we have we have this issue, and we're trying to teach it, and we're trying to teach it, and one of them's receiving, and the other one's like, <laughs> I'm Bowen. Uh, so, but we are stewards, 
not the owners. Everything in this world, everything that we have, everything that we think we earn is property of God. He gave you the ability to work, so therefore it is his. We are stewards. He gives us the the capacity to, to manage these things, our time, our talent, our treasure. Are we doing it well? When we look at the way in which our time is allotted, are we, are we good stewards of it? Are we a good steward of the talents that God has given us? Are we a good steward of the money that God has given us? Those are hard questions to think about. And finally, generosity versus misery. And misery, you might go, whoa, that's a, that's a strong word. The word miser is where misery comes from. I don't know about you, but when I think of, of, a, of a miser, I always think of the bad guy on the Smurfs. And I don't know why. I'm talking a lot about cartoons today. But the, the, I think of that, that guy, that's, that's the, uh, the mental image that I get of a miser. Someone just hoarding what they have. And I have it. And generosity is the opposite of that, to give freely away. And the, the world, and especially in America, we think, no, 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 that's mine. I'm not giving anything away. It's mine. But the opposite of misery is generosity. Isn't that beautiful to think about? Acts 20, 30, uh, 35. The Lord Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. 1 Timothy 6.18, command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age, so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Generosity is the cure for materialism. If you gave something away, it can't control you. Now think about it this way. I don't often see crack addicts giving away crack. You don't see alcoholics going, oh, here you go. You don't. But if when I say, you know what, you need to give more, and you go, hmm, you might have an addiction issue. Generosity is the cure for materialism because if you give it away, it cannot be controlling you. God's way works. Submitting everything, our whole lives, which includes our hearts and our minds and our money and everything to him. It works. I've never come across somebody that said, you know what, I really wish I would have given less to the church. I really wish I would have spent less time at church volunteering or investing in people. I just, I really wish that, I wish I could have that time back. I've never been around somebody that said that. Even in terrible circumstances. I've had building campaigns that I was a a part of or at the church at. I wasn't the pastor when this happened, but the building campaign failed. And so hundreds of thousands of dollars were given and no building happened. Right? It'd be real easy to be bitter about that, wouldn't it? It'd be really easy to be cranky about that. But then then, then, then no one said, you know what, I want my money back. I just... This isn't going to happen. I'm going to leave the church. No one said that because they knew that the investment didn't go void, that there still were lives being changed. Even in the worst circumstances, lives get changed because God can work through all the mess. God's way still works. It's our plans that go awry sometimes.
Let's go beyond the numbers to see God's work in our lives. When we get beyond just the the bare facts, just the numbers on the spreadsheet and see what beautiful picture it's creating, then we get to see how God is working in our lives. I want to close with this idea. Last year, the, the Museum of Science and Industry had this amazing display. I hope you got to see it. I don't think it's there anymore. But it was this whole idea of math in nature. Right up my alley, right? A math display. I want to go. I did want to go because it was all about beyond the numbers. It's how these flowers are perfectly mathematically proportioned to make this gorgeous thing. I'm like, only God can do that. It was about how each and every snowflake is this amazing amalgamation of, I'm going to get the math wrong, of geometry and trigonometry and all these weird physics things that are going on to make a unique, individually beautiful snowflake. And it's over and over again, you just walk in and you're like, oh, wow. And they were showing you how these math things were happening and these these shapes were happening. It's like only God can orchestrate all this beauty. When we go beyond the numbers, we get to see God at work in our lives, in our world's lives. Some of you today are in a place where you're like, you know what, Jared, I'm so in those numbers. I'm either overwhelmed with my lack of earning potential or the amount that I'm spending, or I'm overwhelmed with just, I don't want to admit it, but maybe I am a little miserly. Right now, I just want to, I want to humble our hearts to that and say, God, I want you to take control of my time and my talent and my treasure, that I give this all to you. And I want to pray that right now over you. And if maybe you need to, to think about that and, and pray it for yourself, so join me in this. God, will you take all of who I am? God, I want to give you all my finances. I want to give you everything that I am. God, I want to give you my talents. I want to give you my treasure. I want to give you my time. God, in this moment, I want to humble myself before you. I say, here I am. You created me. God, you know all my flaws. You know all the junk that I have. You know my past. But here I am wanting to do whatever you want. And will you take this heart, will you take this mind, will you take all that I am and write a beautiful story? In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.